Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and I am really excited today. Uh, I have with me, I am joined by Christina Del Villar. Um, so Christina is a Silicon Valley marketing executive, consultant, and author who geeks out on helping companies transform, grow, and scale, leveraging technology with over 25 years of experience at Fortune 100 companies and more than 20 startups. Christina has developed go-to marketing and marketing strategies for exponential growth, new product launches, acquisitions, and IPOs, particularly for high-growth companies where she leverages her experience and industry perspective to take them to the next level. Christina's grit marketing method focuses on helping marketing professionals to build smarter programs, be more efficient, and exponentially grow revenue to improve overall company performance. Her book, Sway, implements the grit marketing method to gain influence and drive corporate strategy, arrived in bookstores in August 2021. So, Christina, Welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you so much for having me. Obviously, I love talking about this topic, so this is going to be fun. Yes, I am super excited to have you. Um, you know, we've talked before, and I'm so impressed with just you as a person, the way that you think, the way that you put together the book and help to drive influence. So I'm excited to bring that to our audiences today. Um, but before we jump into it, I like to break the ice with a little bit of a woo-saw moment that I like to call buzzword banishment. So mm. we all have those buzzwords that are overused, that we cringe every time we're heard or every time they're said. So Christina, this is your opportunity. What buzzword would you like to banish? So this might be controversial, but I would like to banish the bud word, uh, buzzword uh, authentic. <laughs> I, I know, I know. You know what? I think the reason is because I think it's used incorrectly, right? Because people are judging people based on authenticity and they're saying, oh, that person isn't authentic. When in fact, they are authentic. We might just not like them or like the way they're doing things, right? So when you say that about a person or a company, um, you know, are, are they, maybe they really are being authentic. Again, it's just not the same culture or tone that you're used to. So, so maybe, maybe not banish it, but make sure that people understand the definition of it. <laughs> really, really interesting that that is your buzzword. Um, a couple of episodes ago, I guess that was episode two. I talked to Andrea Lechner Becker oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. we were, you know, Andrea, and we were talking about, you know, when you are not super ladylike in the boardroom and mm -hmm. how that, you know, bias of women executives, especially yeah. um, happens. And so her and I talked a lot about authenticity and being your authentic self. 
And I think that, you know, so if, if for those listening, if you haven't listened to episode two, make sure to jump back a couple episodes and give that one a listen after you finish uh, this session with Christina and I, because we do talk a lot about the fact that being your authentic self also means that, you know, people don't always like it. Uh, right, exactly. So, okay, as much as I love the word authentic and authenticity, <laughs> we will put it in the box, we'll lock sure it up, enough. and at least for this session, we will throw away the key. Perfect. Uh, so <laughs> now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Well, I am super excited to be here. You know, when you mentioned in the intro what my book is about, my book is really all about the influence that people, especially marketing people, but everyone in an organization can have to help drive that revenue. So obviously you are talking all about revenue. Um, and I think it's, you know, from a very interesting perspective, and that is how can marketing professionals help generate, maintain, um, and, and actually be recognized as the revenue generators that that we are. Um, and, and again, to your book, CMO to see it, to CMO to CRO, it's really critical, right? Because that is that is the role we play. We're just not seen as the revenue generator for our companies. And we need to shift that narrative. I am with you there. So, right? I know you are. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, like to keep things zen and I also like to set an intention mm -hmm. and, you know, it helps keep us focused and it helps our audience to understand what are we trying to accomplish today? So I'd like to set an intent, set an intention with you. What are your best hopes for our talk today? Or what do you want people to take away from our conversation? Yeah, I think that the main thing I want people to recognize is that regardless of your level in your organization, what your role is, whether you're in marketing or sales or even product, uh, you need to feel empowered to help generate and own revenue. Um, I think the revenue number is a number that every single person in the company should own. And so really want to have people start thinking about what that might look like for them and how to get there. Okay, so as we jump into the conversation, I did my homework and I went through and I found two great quotes from page one of your book. So I didn't have to dig far <laughs> to find some gems. And I put them together because I really think it, it speaks to the heart of the problem. And so you start off by saying, over the past 30 years as a marketing professional, I have seen a lot in various stages of good, bad, and ugly. And, you know, fast forwarding a couple paragraphs, uh, you continue, it's been a wild ride, but through it all, one thing that has remained consistent, marketing and marketing professionals are misunderstood, undervalued, and considered non-essential instead of being recognized as the backbone of the company that we are. And I was like, woo, yes, woo! I that one. <laughs> um, that so spoke to me. And I know, you know, just in talking to other CMOs, like really being valued and having a proper and, you know, seat at the table is one of those buzzwords that I'd probably banish, but getting a proper seat at the table um, for marketing as a whole is really, really challenging. Can you yeah. talk a bit about what you've seen? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it goes to, and, and in the book I talk about this, like marketers do a really bad job of marketing themselves, right? And I think that that's a key issue that we have. But the point is that if you were to ask somebody in a company who the main revenue generator is, most people are going to say it's sales. When in fact, without without marketing, you have no company, you have no brand, you have no website, you have no leads, you have no, I mean, like you really don't have anything. You don't have a process. You're not enabling sales. You know, there's a lot of things that go in there and it's not to minimize anybody else. It's just to recognize the importance and significance that marketing actually plays in a company across the customer journey. And so I think it's really important for people to, to see that, but again, they're not going to see it unless we sort of help educate them. Um, you know, some examples of how I've Kind of felt minimized or my team has felt minimized um you know i went into a board meeting one time and the entire board meeting was supposed to be focused on marketing what we've accomplished what we need to do to move forward and hit our revenue target and what we need in terms of resources and so it started off as and i you know i wrote this amazing deck and was my team was all ready to present it and then it was like okay well actually you're only going to get like half an hour instead of two hours and it's like okay by the time we were done we had one slide and that was it and they just wanted to know, like, well, how many leads did you bring in? And I'm like, well, who, who cares? Like, I don't care how many leads I brought in. MQLs would have been my other banished word. Um, you know, the big question is, how much pipeline did we generate and how much revenue did we generate? And, and so I think people are missing that piece. They just think of us as that top of the funnel. How many leads did you bring in? And what cool T-shirt did you make this month? <laughs> <laughs> As marketers, like, and it's obvious it's on us to change yeah. the perception. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to do it for us. Magic wand. And the board was just like, aha, marketing, you are amazing. <laughs> but that's not, how, no. <laughs> excuse me, that's not how things work. No. So tell me, what can we do? So as marketing leaders, how do we start to shift that perception? How do we really get people to pay attention to the point that, you know, we are the conversation and not the one slide that gets slipped in at the end? Right. And that we're a revenue generating organization and not like the ones that are just spending all of the money as well, which is another issue that we have. So for me, it was interesting when I started writing the book my thought was I would actually write a book for the C-suite and explain to them what it was that marketing did, the contributions we make, the value we have. And I talked to a bunch of my, you know, my CXO friends, my CEO friends. Um, I talked to VCs and they were all like, yeah, that's great. And we're excited that you're writing a book and we're going to read your book. And I'm like, great. And then you're going to take what I say and like start, you know, like <laughs> figuring out how to disseminate that information to your teams. And they're like, I'm like, no, we don't care about marketing. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and so I was like, I can write a book that nobody's going to read or care about, or I can flip it around and really help those in the organization start to build influence internally. So that's basically what we're trying to get at. You know, and, and to your question, what are some of the things that we can do? It really has to do with building trust. And, and this is, it's kind of common sense. It's not, and it's not really that hard to, to figure out, but um, the first thing you need to do is identify your customer journey, right? Like that is, that's kind of a key thing you would need to do anyway in a marketing organization, along with your sales team. 
and then figure out all of the different areas that marketing already is touching or influencing. I call them touch points. Uh, because if you do that and you're able to identify all of those, you can then take that, whether it is, um, you know, you're helping sales by developing a deck for them, or you're helping product by helping them understand, you know, who the net promoters are or the promoters are um, via your net promoter score. So there are things that marketing is just doing day in, day out, probably not even thinking or recognizing it as significant or even adding value and having impact. But if we do that and step back and start looking at all of those different things, then we can go and actually mindfully, intentionally, um, literally like influence them. And that's basically what, what I want people to, to do and to take away from this conversation as well. It's really interesting that you bring that up. Um, I I guess that's been a year, maybe two, you know, here lately, all the time seems to run together, but you know, I, right? uh, <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, I was on um, another podcast and I was talking about metrics that matter. And, and in that conversation, I talked about something very similar to what you're saying in that mapping out the customer journey and all the touch points that happen. And as a result, I actually had a company reach out and was like, we need to do exactly what you talked about. And so one of the deliverables that we did for them was we actually laid out on paper, here's all the sales activities, here's all the marketing activities, um, start to circulate this so that everyone sees where, you know, later in the funnel that is presumed to be just nothing but sales magic, I was gonna say magic. <laughs> is, you know, really actually supporting that. Right. Do you feel like that helps to number one, give more influence and or number two, to actually break down some of the silos? Because I know that that's another yeah. challenge as well. And the silos is a huge problem. And, and none of us intend to like, you know, just work in my little vacuum and, and do things. But if you're doing that, you're not being as efficient and effective. And there's probably not as much transparency as there should be. So yeah, I really feel strongly that you need to identify, like you're saying, that customer journey and all of those little points, right? So for example, I mean, I've, I've got a million examples in the book in particular, uh, but I call it a map of influence, right? Like this is literally your map of influence. It looks at all of the touch points from product to marketing, because there's still opportunities within marketing to sales, to customer support and success. And whether it is helping customer success identify and then you know, give feedback to product in terms of what features and functionality should be prioritized. I mean, like, these are just like some super th simple things that we're likely already doing, right? We're just not really identifying them as areas that we can actually control and help other people understand, you know, how we're helping with that, right? We just kind of go about our daily business and we just naturally start doing things and we take on more and more things as marketers. Um, but again, if we're super mindful about it and, and again, I'm not saying like, you know, toot your horn every time you, you know, you do something like you come into work and you clap. That's not, I am one walking around like doop, doop, all day, yeah. every day. So yeah, you, you, can't, you have to, right? Because nobody else is going to either see it or recognize it in terms of the impact that you're having, unless you're super clear about it. And again, you don't have to be like, oh, yay me, you know, we, we saved the company. Actually, you might want to do that. But, um, you know, just make sure that people understand 
that this is your contribution and it was intentional too. It wasn't oftentimes, you know, I get people going, oh my God, wow, you know, this is what you predicted and this is what happened. I'm like, why, why, why like, are you so surprised? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, because <laughs> that's what we work towards. Um, so, but again, if we're not helping people understand that that was, that's what we're trying to do and that's how we're trying to get there, then, then, it, then it is hard. Um, and then sort of to your second question, like how do you, you know, building that trust, basically, then people don't question you. They don't question what you're doing. They don't question the impact. They don't question the resources you're asking for. They don't question the value you're bringing because they already know you and believe in you and, and have that relationship. So it is a lot about relationship building. And it might seem sort of tedious in the beginning to like continually like, you know, go to lunch and have coffee or, you know, talk on Zoom or, or whatever it is. But it's really critical that everybody in the organization um, really believes in you and in your team and what it is that you guys are doing. And that's a great point. I know earlier in my career, uh, you know, I had someone talk about no like trust, like people do business with those that they know they like, they trust. Yeah. And that was said in the context of the customer right. to the business. But yeah. the point that you're making really is spot on that internally within the organization, being yeah. known, being liked and being trusted um, is really valuable in actually being able to have the influence that you seek. Right. Or even to do your date. I mean, even to do your job, right? Like there are times when, you know, you're, you know, you maybe you want to do a webinar, you want to do a thought leader series, for example, and, you know, maybe it's going to cost money, but you really know that this is actually going to help nurture and shorten that sales cycle. Um, but if people don't understand what you're saying or understand that it can shorten the sales cycle or increase revenue because now you've done a better job explaining what it is that your product actually does with these thought leaders, you know, that are external and, and non-biased to your organization, um, then they're not they're not going to understand why we need to shift budget from here to here potentially um, or why I need IT to like, you know, set up this room so we can have a, a better studio for, for our webinars. And, and so when you get to that point where they understand and they understand what it is that you're bringing. And again, that that's on us. That's on us to help people understand and recognize that. And again, I think we've just done a really bad job because we just kind of, again, we just do our job and, you know, just like going to do my job. I don't need to like then tell people what it was that I did, why I did it and the impact that it had. But I think we need to start thinking about it. Um, and I want to shift gears a little bit because I, you know, one of like, I love methodologies. Like I am yeah. one <laughs> that like steps and, you yep. know, like lay it out for me, give me something to work from. So I want to shift and talk a little bit about the GRIT methodology. Yep. Um, I love the acronym uh, for starters. So tell us like, what is the GRIT methodology and how does that help us to have influence? Yeah, so the it was one of those things. I, I do love processes and methodologies. And I don't know, for some reason, I was in an acronym kind of mood that day, but um, but it actually fit well. So um, so the grit marketing method, there's obviously four pieces to it. The first one is go to market and go to market strategy, which is really critical. And you know we can talk a lot about that. Um, but basically, at the end of the day, companies aren't thinking about things as strategically as I think they should. They might have had a goal set a long time ago, but that's not the guiding principle that they're leveraging 
to do everything going forward, which is really interesting. Um, and so I think that people need to understand understand that. Um, the R stands for RPM, which is repeatable, predictable, and measurable. And this is how marketers can also start building trust and influence is by, you know, instead of like creating 5,000 pieces of content, create 10 really good ones that you can reuse and use in different ways and repurpose and reposition and recycle. Um, and so that's basically what that gets to because then there's consistency in what you're doing. The message is always clear. And so that gets to that predictability. And then hopefully you can measure it and, and really understand the impact that it's having. So that's the RPM. The I stands for intention, which I talk about a lot. Like I think people need to be doing things intentionally. Um, I always ask the question, you know, somebody will come to me and they'll be like, ooh, can we do this show? And I'm like, great, well, will it help us get to our end goal? And if it doesn't, then we're not gonna do it. If we don't know yet, then we can we can test it some more. We can talk about it. We can see, you know, if it if it makes sense to do that, and you know, have a plan around that. But otherwise, you really should be prioritizing and thinking about everything you do with intention. Um, and then the T stands for tools and technology, which is, um, you know, kind of. Um, you know, it's it's hard for marketers to really get around some of the tools and technology that they need to use and leverage to prove the impact and value that they bring, right? And so it's really hard, but oftentimes it's owned by sales or an IT group, or you just don't want to touch it because gosh only knows what happened, how that even came to be, that monster that sits in a closet somewhere. Um, but if you're not aware, you know, if you don't understand the data and you don't understand how to manipulate it or pull, you know, the, the data and, and use it to your benefit, again, to show that impact and to show the value, um, then that's, that's, a, that's a problem. Um, and I know it can be, I know it can be scary, but um, really need to start thinking about that. So that's basically what the methodology is, is it trains people how to understand the go-to-market strategy better, um, how to be smarter and more effective with their programs, campaigns, and content, um, and to be really intentional about everything they're doing and to be able to leverage their tools and technology to be able to show, measure and show the results properly. Awesome. So I want to I want to talk about the RPM a, a little bit because you know having things that are repeatable, predictable, and measurable. And and again, I love the acronym. Um, but that is something that I you know had never phrased it that way. But that is something that holistically I have always focused on because right. you know everybody hits a home run every now and again. Like you have right. the thing you do that just went absolutely amazing. Yep. But if you can't repeat that, if you don't know why that happened, right. then it's kind of just like, you know, everybody gets lucky every now and right. then. I was going to say, it's just luck. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's kind of like, oh, got one. Um, <laughs> and in tying this back to, you know, influence and being able to have influence and, you know, we titled this episode, Everyone's Got an Opinion, um, but this... <laughs> Being um, repeatable, predictable, and measurable to me is where it goes from being an opinion to yes. really being fact. Like, and yeah. you can influence a lot more when mm -hmm. you are leading with fact. Right. Absolutely. And and that's really the the entire point of this, right? If you can, let's just say you do a webinar and you're you're gonna say, like, this is this is the this is what we're going to get from that webinar. And then the next webinar, it's the same, and the next webinar, you know, it's the same outcomes. 
people are going to be more readily open to, again, whether it's resources or time, whatever it is, uh, you know, to believing that this is going to be a successful webinar. Um, and if that's a successful webinar, can you then take all of that content and again, turn it into, you know, a white paper, um, blog posts, social media posts, whatever it is, so that again, you're taking something that you know is successful and, and just, you know, opening, opening up the different channels that you have and disseminating that information. It's really interesting because I get this a lot and I'm sure you do and other people on this, you know, listening to this podcast will, will resonate with this. You know, how many times people are like, well, can't you just write, you know, can you write an article? Can you write another, you know, piece? Can you, you know, send out another, can we have another data sheet? Can we do another case study? And that like more content doesn't necessarily mean you know, that it's quality or that it's going to get you to your end game. And so being really mindful about, you know, one or two, what I call pillar pieces and leveraging them, um, you know, over and over again, not only does it save you money and time, but it, it's actually, um, it's a better experience for everybody, not just you internally, but then, you know, your prospects and customers are seeing the same thing as well. Um, so again, it builds that consistency. And then to your point, then, it is predictable how this is going to perform because you know that this is useful content that people are, are listening to and, and watching and reading. Yeah. And I think, you know, it is one of those things where sometimes I think as marketers, we get hung up in creating more stuff because yeah. we get tired of the stuff that we've created. Well, <laughs> you know, we've seen too. that white paper 90 times. <laughs> you know, we've we've read that article 15 times, but when yep. we think about it, it's not like our prospects are, you know, seeing our content as often as we are like no prospects, right. like, wow, that white paper again, like that I, just, you know, exactly. <laughs> happen. So sometimes I do think we get in our own way in that respect in that it's right. just kind of like, yeah, I'm tired of looking at that. Like we need something new. And yeah. it's like, no, like really? Yeah, you well, know, maybe maybe part of like maybe fifty percent of it needs to be new, and maybe it's just a you know a graphical interface that needs to be changed, or maybe you know you need to turn it into a video instead of a you know a, an infographic, whatever it is. But take what you know is already working and and just reposition it, or again you know up level it, or you know you can change it for different audiences. I know because I work in B two B a lot, and so there's a lot of different audiences. It might be a CFO or an IT person or my end user. So how can I take that kind of core piece and then adjust it so that they recognize that it's actually written for them. So there's things that you can do um, without it, you know, becoming super tedious. At some point you definitely, you know, if, if that product doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> you definitely want to up level, up, uh, up level that for sure. But, but in general, you know, why, why change something that actually is working if it is working? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, thinking about, you know, talking about our challenges is kind of the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. So we have to do the work. And if we think about in traditional therapy, the therapist <laughs> will give the client some homework as a takeaway. Yeah. But here at Revenue Rehab, I like to flip that on its head. And I am going to ask you to give the rest of us homework. So yes. if you could kind of summarize for the audience the key takeaways around how we solve this problem and get more influence for marketing um, and give us our homework. Like tell yeah. us what is the one thing we can all do to move the needle? 
Yeah, I think that, again, just first, there's it's kind of two parts. One is recognizing what that customer journey is and identifying those areas that you already are probably playing in. Like, you know, again, in product, are you helping influence pricing or how it's being bundled or how it's going to market or the launch or anything like that? Obviously, with marketing, that's our role. So we have a lot going on there. Sales, how are we influencing them? Are we enabling them with, you know, decks or are we going to certain shows that are bringing Bringing in specific leads, like all of these things that we're doing on a daily basis and customer success as well. So really identify those different areas and then just pick a few to start. And so you might decide that you, um, you know, you have a really good in with one of the product managers, right? And so start talking to them, like, you know, go buy them a cup of coffee or, you know, ask them, you know, what, what is working for them? What isn't working for them just in general and, and how could marketing or you influence that? Um, and then I would say, if you're a manager, I do this with my teams all the time. I actually pair up my entire team with folks in other organizations, you know, I call them like buddies, like, and sometimes I'll say, go find a buddy in engineering. And sometimes I'll actually assign a buddy. Um, sometimes they know this is happening on the other end. And sometimes it's just a, a random marketing person is like, Hey, let's go have some lunch. So, uh, but if you just start like super simple and really, um, you know, this is an overused word to empathy, but like understand where they're coming from, understand, um, you know, when I say to, product and engineering, I need you to change your priorities and focus on this, you know, specific feature functionality. What is that going to mean to them, right? What is it going to mean in terms of their time? What is it going to mean in terms of like, maybe somebody can't go on vacation now? There's all kinds of things that are happening that we also don't see. And so starting to build those relationships is how you're going to start um, learning a little bit more about that, having more empathy, and then starting to build that trust. So that's your homework. Go find somebody in another organization and, you know, try to kind of see things from their perspective a little bit. I really like that. I definitely love any action item that means I get to go eat. Um, yes, you're you know, right. You know, or like, drink or... Yes, all of that. Like, take an engineer for tacos. Cause, oh, yeah. Know, We've tried, like, thing. ice cream, I mean, ice cream sundaes. That's a really good... I do ice cream sundaes. Oh. I take people out for those and... Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of well, kinds of places you can go. <laughs> so that is an amazing action item. I love that is to try to really have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone from another function so that you can understand their perspective and they can also understand yours. And you yeah. know, that goes back to that no like trust, because yeah, as you exactly. have those one-on-ones, they will hopefully come out knowing and liking you. Um, right, that's a good point. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, that could go terribly sideways, but we won't wrong. talk about that. Right. <laughs> but you know, I mean, the, the interesting thing is, and this is this is what happens, right? So you have these, you start building these relationships, and then you're in a bigger group of people. And, and in a, whether it's a team meeting or who knows, you know, your monthly, who knows what it is. But now you're a marketing person and you're saying, hey, you know what? I really want to go to this show because it's going to help us understand what features our potential customers are looking for. And you've just had lunch with a product person who's like, yeah, that would be amazing. So now you have support, not just internally from your own marketing team, but from somebody in another team in an organization. And that starts to sort of build for everybody. That is amazing. Well, Christina, I have enjoyed our discussion, Me but too. that's our time for today. Fantastic.
Thank you so much for joining me. And thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Christina. If you'd like to continue the conversation with Christina, you can check out both her book and her podcast. So her podcast is All Things Growth and her book is Sway. Both can be found on her website, which is Christina Del Viar, which is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. D-E-L-V-I-L-L-A-R.com. It'll also be listed below uh, wherever you are listening to this podcast. I can't believe we are at the end already. Thanks, everyone. Forever. <laughs> yes. Thanks, everyone, for joining me, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.